Welcome to the Believe Podcast, a conversation between friends over a passage of scripture. I'm Carolyn Kirsten. And I'm Marvin Williams. And today is episode 67. We are talking about Gideon. Yes. We're continuing in Hebrews 11, and we've actually reached a point um, where the author of Hebrews says, and what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about, and then just lists names. But we're going to take time to tell about them. Yeah. Uh, and we're starting off with Giddy. That's the reason we're here. Yeah. So, so. so this is, uh, so let, let me ask a question. And this is, um, again, this is our typical MO. Um, talk about a time when you were an unwilling participant, where someone may be, um, you were kicking and screaming as they wanted you to participate. Okay. I know immediately. Steve and I were chaperoning a group of high school students in Boston a few years ago. And they were involved, the students were involved in some activities. So we had some free time. Okay. And we were, oh no, in one of the downtown areas. And there were a group of guys, they were street performers. So they're, you know, people are circling up around them and they're, they've got their music going or whatever. And then they start pulling quote unquote, <laughs> volunteers out of the audience. And yes. Were you one of the volunteers? I was. And yes, Steve videotaped the whole thing, which he kept on his phone for quite some time. But I'm sorry to tell you, oh, it, it does it, not exist it anymore. Not, oh, wow. Wow. But I, I was definitely that. unwilling initially and then decided I just have to go all in. Oh. Like, And so it was like this dancing. I mean, I... I really is, is there a way we can revive this video? <laughs> I don't I think we want it. to. I don't think we want to. But definitely okay. was unwilling initially, but then was like, all right, I just got to go go all in for it. Okay. Well, mine is is not, <clears throat> excuse me, mine is not as, um, mine is a little bit more having to do with my calling. So um, at 16, I knew that God was calling me into ministry. I was in mm-hmm. high school and I was thinking like, let me let me do prom and homecoming before I accept and acknowledge my call into ministry. And so at 16, I knew, and I was like, I am not doing that. I was, mm-hmm. I was like the modern day Jonah. I am not going, going to Nineveh. That's going the other <laughs> way. Like I, I was in high school. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I did not want to be known as a minister in high school. See, in the African-American church, you're, you're called into ministry and you do your first sermon, you know, Mm. once you acknowledge that to your pastor. So I didn't want to be 16 years old and a minister because I felt like I would be missing out on so much fun. And so, Mm. uh, I gave God all kinds of ultimatums, you know, let my favorite song be playing before I got to the house (laughs) and all of those things. And interestingly enough, God accommodated and, um, and I, I knew in my heart that God was calling me into ministry. So I, I knew at least four years before I actually made a public uh, announcement that uh, God was calling me into ministry. And so I was a very, very unwilling participant, modern day Jonah. And um, so, so why are we talking about this? Well, because Gideon was was somewhat of a unwilling participant Mm -hmm. when God called him. Mm -hmm. Now we have to go back though, because we're now entering into a new era. Um, We're entering into an era of um, the judges. And so when we talk about judges, people automatically think legal judge, but this is not what the Old Testament judges were about. 
the Old Testament judges were considered deliverers. And, um, and these were, these were individuals, human, humans, obviously, that God came upon and God gave an assignment because the people of God were, they disobeyed God, they did evil in the sight of God, and God raised up enemies to kind of, you know, kind of harass them. And then the people cried out to God, and then God raised up judges or deliverers to bring the people of God back to God. And so Gideon is kind of one of, not kind of, he is yeah. a judge, he is a deliverer, but he he's an unwilling uh, deliverer. He's an unwilling uh, judge in God's economy. So um, so that's kind of setting up the idea of what the judges are about. Yes. And so we see Gideon's story in the book of Judges, yep. chapter six through eight. If you are not familiar with that, encourage you to even pause the podcast or read those chapters afterwards to help you understand. And exactly as you described, we see this over and over, and we're going to explore several of these judges in the next right. few episodes. This cycle over and over and over of um, God sending a judge, they're delivered from their enemies, they obey for a little bit, they forget him, they disobey, they get into trouble, they're attacked by their enemies, yeah, yeah, they cry yeah. out to God, God gives them a judge. And it's this over and over and over cycle. And and again, I would, I would, I would admit that I've seen that kind of that cycle in my own life at times yes, too. Like yes. I God delivers and I'm praising him and I go back to doing my own crazy stupid stuff and then mm -hmm. I cry out to God again he delivers and um and so yep. so so we can identify I can at least I can identify I think we both can identify with the judges or or identify with the people of God during this uh during this season so. Yep. Yeah. And then as you mentioned Gideon is unwilling when he first receives this call for, well, and we can talk about that, for what that looked like for him, why he was unwilling and and how God um, spoke to him during that time. This occurs in chapter six of Judges. We see Gideon is threshing grain in a wine press. Yes. Which I'm not a vineyard owner nor a farmer, <laughs> but I do know that those don't go together. And that is a and that is exactly right. You don't thresh grain in a wine press. This exactly. is Gideon hiding from the enemies who are just demolishing the land, stealing yeah. everything. So he is hiding to prepare this food, prepare this grain um, in a wine press so he's not discovered. Yeah. And, and an angel of the Lord comes to him mm -hmm. and announces his identity, you know, mighty warrior, Gideon, my, mighty warrior. And Gideon is kind of looking around like, <clears throat> am I being punked? You know, where's yeah. Ashton Kutcher? Because I am not a warrior. I am not a brave man. Don't you see me hiding in the wine press because I'm actually afraid. I don't want to be found out by the Midianites. And, and it's interesting that that way before God um, calls us to a mission, he actually calls out our identity. Yeah. And I love this about this story because Gideon, who is not a brave man, and God sees beyond his fear, sees beyond the anxiety, and he says, you are a mighty warrior. God saw something in Gideon before Gideon saw it. And I love that about our father. He sees something in us and he calls out in us. He sees our weakness, 
but he doesn't call us based on weakness. He calls us based on what he sees we are, what he sees we are going to be as opposed to what we are now. Yeah. Yeah. And paired with that, then he equips us for what he has called us, what he has named us to be. And we see that with Gideon in verse verse 14, it says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love that phrase. Like, he doesn't have to conjure up some strength that he, you know, he doesn't have to feel it, feel like he's this valiant warrior or mighty warrior. Go in the strength you strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Yeah. So yeah. you go with what you have. You don't have to have anything else. I've got the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love that. God meets him where he is. That is true for us. He knows who we are. He knows what we're made of. He knows the strength that we have. And he says, yep. That's all you need. I've got the rest. Yeah, that, you know, that man, that's a great point because I think sometimes we waste time and energy asking for more power, asking for more strength. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for strength. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with asking for power. But I think sometimes we, we underestimate um, what God has already given us. And we spend time, you know, give me more strength. Give me more strength. Give me more. It's a week later. Give me more strength. Give me more strength. And and I think God already, as you mentioned, he's already given us the the kind of strength. We are stronger than we realize. And God has made us stronger than we realize. And Gideon was the same person. Yeah. He was the same person throughout. It It, it is this sense where... God reminds him that you are you, you are stronger than you are not stronger than you you think you are not in our own strength mm-hmm. but how God actually comes and he actually clothes us mm-hmm. with his his strength he clothes us with um with memories of who God has created us to be and so so again I think that's a again a great great point of we are stronger than we we realize because God is um, God is with us, mm-hmm. and um, it, the interesting thing about Gideon is that he is consistently asking for confirmation. Like um, in uh, in chapter six, where he says, "Listen, you know, if you're with me, then um, um, like I confirm it with this." you know, this sacrifice, this, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to bring out a sacrifice and confirm that you're with me. And so the angel of the Lord touch, touches the sacrifice with the tip of a staff and the entire sacrifice is consumed. And again, God shows Gideon, Hey, I'm, I'm with you and I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you in this moment. And, and it's at that place that that we get a new name for God, and that yes. name is what? Yes, he Gideon names the altar, the Lord is peace. Yeah, yeah. Which I do like, we see Gideon getting in on this naming <laughs> thing here himself. Like, right, okay, right. you've said I'm a mighty warrior. Uh, Kind of, okay, I, I'm gonna believe it. And now he is naming the Lord is peace bef- while they're still, remember he's hiding in a wine press from the enemies right, that are right. all around. So. Is it peaceful around him right now? No. Absolutely His not. circumstances are not peaceful, yet he is declaring. Yeah. And I I I think probably declaring to even telling himself, yep, the Lord is peace. Yeah. I'm going to, I am going to claim that. I don't feel it. I don't see it in this moment, maybe. But 
the Lord is peace. Listen, that that will preach that will preach every day, all day, 24/7, 7 days a week and you just preached a, a really good sermon right there in that moment is that I am going to declare um peace over this land even before I I even see it. The Midianites are coming, they're marauders, they are um they are causing all kinds of havoc and fear and Gideon in this moment says, "No, I'm, I'm declaring right now in this moment that um, that this is he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of well-being, the God of peace. And um, and so thank you for preaching that little sermon right yeah. there, because that encourages yeah. me to know that uh, in the midst of all that we're going through, that God is a God of peace. He's a God that says, while you're shaking on the inside, I'm going to hold you up on the outside. And uh, so. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And I. And I think it's also encouraging. This is not the end of the story for Gideon yeah, either. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like, okay, he pulled it all together and now <laughs> he's moving forward with full confidence. Everything goes great because that's not the case. Um, even looking back at Hebrews 11, verse 34, kind of the end of this paragraph where it lists these people we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes. It says, it describes them as whose weakness was yeah. turned to strength. Yeah. And that really is a good descriptor of Gideon. Yeah. His weakness, his hesitancy, his lack of confidence, his um, inner turmoil is turned to strength. Yeah. But we st- we're still going to continue to see yeah. this fearful. <laughs> because he, he continues, he continues yeah. to ask for confirmation. And one of probably one of the most famous um, um, episodes in Gideon's life is he's like, Like, I'm still not sure. Like, I'm going to like, please forgive me for testing you again, God. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give you another test. And and then I'll be certain that you are walking with me into this battle. And he gives a a test of, hey, God, I am going to put fleece out and um, I want you to make the fleece wet and the, the ground dry with dew. Now, everybody who is, you know, awaken in the morning knows that dew is everywhere. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, but Gideon asked for that. And guess what God does? God accommodates. Yeah. And he says, God accommodates and he works the miracle. The, the fleece is wet and the ground is dry. And then you would think that would be enough, but he does it again. And he says what? He Reverses it. He reverses it. Okay, so this time in the morning, the fleece is wet, but the ground is dry. Right. Requesting that. And it, then I will know that you really are sending me out to, to attack And God does it. And, and he does. And, and God is, you know, God is not a desperate God, but I think he wants so badly to use Gideon. Mm-hmm. And I think he wants so badly to use us that he will accommodate yeah. our um, our puny desires, our human desires, because I think he wants the assurance in us. So then when we do go, we are fully dependent on God. And so um, so God, God does it and Gideon is assured again. But now we have um, another... We have another test, but this time God is the one who does the testing. Mm-hmm. And that test is about the army that God, that Gideon is going to have to actually beat the, the beat the Midianites. 
Yeah, and this one scares me. <laughs> this one, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. He starts off with 32,000. 32,000. Um, against 135,000 yes. Midianites. And so the numbers are not great to start with. Yeah. But then God says, you have too many. And through a series- Whoa, whoa, wait. You're going the wrong way, God. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. And through a series of, um, well- questions initially, like, hey, if you're afraid, go home. Well, that took care of a bunch of them. (laughs) And then through this drinking water sort of situation, he goes from 32,000 down to 300. 300. 300. 300 against 135,000 Midianites. I don't like the odds. They are terrible. (laughs) I don't like the odds, but yet horrible odds with an almighty God um, I'll take those odds any day. Yes. And and God even says that, hey, the reason I'm doing this, yeah. he says in chapter seven, verse two, is so that they wouldn't rely on their own strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, which for sure is exactly why I'm so uncomfortable with this situation <laughs> because I like to rely on my own strength. I've, and I think that's true for a lot of us. We yeah, know, okay, yeah. here's what I can handle or here's what I'm equipped to do. Um, yep, that's, I can, now I'm ready. Even you referenced that earlier feeling like, oh, I don't know that I'm equipped. I don't know that I'm ready. Well, maybe you, the, it's kind of the other side of it. Maybe you're not fearful. Maybe you need to be brought down a peg. And because yeah, you yeah. are, relying too much yeah. on what you're able to what you are able to accomplish on your own with your own strength with your own control over it um that's kind of the other side of the story that we can learn from Gideon maybe we're not one who is walking um in fear and feeling inadequate maybe we're relying on ourselves too much that danger of self-sufficiency yeah, rather yeah. than insufficiency both equally we miss out on opportunities to believe God and to experience his work in our lives. Absolutely. And, and I would imagine like you and me, Gideon, um, um, Gideon is, is still not quite understanding. He he's moved. He's made a lot of progress. And God says, just in case I'm going to beat you to the punch this time mm-hmm. be- before you ask for another confirmation, I am going to initiate a confirmation. And he says, listen, I want you to go down and I want you to um, I want you to listen in on a conversation. And that conversation was all about um, one of the men having a dream the night before. And it was a, a kind of a, a crumbly barley loaf uh, rolling through the the army or the camp of the Midianites. And that barley loaf, that barley cake uh, destroyed and demolished all of the Midianites. And that at that point, now Gideon is listening to this mm-hmm. and the man says, that cannot be anything other than the sword of Gideon. Now at that point, like I, I have all the confirmation I need and I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to throw down. And so Gideon hears that and he is, I believe, empowered in his soul. Mm-hmm. And ultimately 300 men whoop on 135,000 Midianites. And that day, uh, God gave the victory to, to Gideon. It wasn't Gideon, it wasn't the 300 men, but it was God at work through the weakness of yeah. 300 uh, 300 soldiers. And I, I absolutely love this story because it really does show 
a man moving from, it could be a man or a woman moving, but it shows Gideon moving from fear to faith. It shows someone moving from self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency to God uh, sufficiency and God getting the credit uh, for, uh, for the, the victory. And so I just, I love this story. Yeah. Now, earlier I said, I was glad the story didn't end where it did. Now I wish it did end <laughs> yeah, here. That's right. That's right. Because, but we have <clears throat> to say the, the last little part of yeah. Gideon's story. This is the part, what we've been describing is where he believes God and we see God working powerfully through him, but he doesn't end very well. No, he doesn't. Um, they've defeated the Midianites. They come back. Things are settled down. That time of peace. Gideon creates an ephod. So think. It's kind of like a vest or kind of like vestments. Yes. Shoulder pads. That's <laughs> what I was thinking of, like for a football player sort of a situation. Yeah. Um, a priestly garment that yeah, was worn over the chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they end up worshiping this as a, as a representation of Gideon and his victories and, and, and God sort of, but it just is like, wah, wah, wah. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, Gideon, yeah, yeah. here you knew yeah. it was you, God. All glory to him. And yet, wah, yeah. it ends, and, his story ends with And it. he knew that the, the people would look at that ephod and associate it with him as the one um, that they would begin to give unhealthy allegiance to. And the text says that that ephod was a snare for mm-hmm. Gideon and his family and his entire legacy. So so really there's this sense where um, God is inviting us to a long obedience, yeah. a long, continuous obedience so that at our funerals, at our celebration of life, uh, it can be said that Marvin and Carolyn and others um, faithfully walked with God to the end mm-hmm. and not, and again, we, we know we have all kinds of foibles and flaws, but, but, but we want it to be said that to the very end, their last breath, they were worshiping God. Their last breath, they were following God. Um, and, and Gideon had an opportunity to end well and uh, and chose not to, um, and 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 we still look at his exploits. We still look at his life of faith, but man, he could have ended better. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's a lesson for us uh, to have a long, continuous obedience until the very end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what can we believe about God, ourselves, and others from Gideon's story? Man, God chooses, he He chooses the weakness of humanity and he infuses his strength and power in, um, in us. And for those who are feeling weak and feeling like you don't have it, um, God says you're in the right place, you're the right person because mm-hmm. he, um, God specializes in taking weakness and making and turning it into strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. I also love that God meets Gideon right where he is. Yeah, he's patient with him. He is kind. He Gideon's fear, and whether that's get our own fear or our self sufficiency, God meets him right there and says, "Nope, I, I will." He makes those accommodations of the fleece and and all yeah, the yeah. rest. Yeah, and in strengthens him to do what he's called him to do. And he does that for us. He meets us where we are. He is so kind. Love it. Love it. 
Well, thank you, friends, for listening. Um, encourage you if, to dive more deeply into Gideon's story. Read it for yourself. Share it with a friend and have your own conversation over a passage of scripture. 